Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Shella. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast presented by the Ohio Laborers Union to keep you connected to your labor family. This is Down with the Dig. Shella, do you have a favorite season? Yes, that would be summer. Summer, huh? Mm-hmm. When it's hot? When it's hot. I know what you wanted me to say. but <laughs> Well, I choose, I prefer fall. I wonder why that is. Well, that's because of football. Of course. We, we've got Ohio State football, usually. We've got the NFL, and we're getting ready to start a new NFL season. Oh, so I bet you're excited about that. I know you're sad about Ohio State, but probably excited about the NFL. I'm very sad about Ohio State, but still hopeful they'll be able to do something in the near future. But absolutely, the NFL's coming, and it gives us something to cheer for. That's true. That's true. And I do enjoy watching NFL football games. Well, today we're going to be joined by a longtime NFL player. He played for three different teams. He owns one Super Bowl ring, but he's best known for being the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. We are joined by Bernie Kozar. Welcome, Bernie. Hi, Matt. Hi, Shella. Good to be with you today. So, Bernie, what was it like being a kid growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, and one day finding yourself walking out on the field at Municipal Stadium? Well, Shella, even though your favorite time of the year is summer, uh, you do so much conditioning in summer to, like Matt said, to his favorite time of the year, getting ready for fall sports and fall football. And growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, especially in the 70s, when almost like today, we were, we were having issues with manufacturing jobs and unemployment and the steel industries were closing. Um, there weren't a lot of jobs to be, uh, to be found there. And um, as a little boy growing up there, um, really the, the chance to um, uh, get a continuing education and things for your future really evolved around sports. So if you didn't get a scholarship um, to go to college through sports, you probably weren't able to, to, uh, to move forward from that direction. So to be able to play football, to continue your education, and then have that aspiration to play for the Cleveland Browns, and have that kind of boyhood dream come true, um, it's just just a true blessing. What was it like playing in the NFL? Um, you know, playing in the NFL, for, for again, for a young man, a young boy growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, where um, um, the aspirations to um, of not working in the steel mill really wasn't a, a viable a viable possibility for, uh, at that point. So for, for me, um, and it's almost like in the introduction with, with Matt and you and talking about Matt, talking about fall and loving um, um, Ohio State football, you know, young kids um, that have that hope, it gives them that goal and aspiration um, um, to do good in schools, to be, to be better citizens. Um, 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 when they have that hope of, of playing sports, of going to college. Um, this year, um, with this uncertainty with the COVID virus, it's really challenging, I think, for younger people to to maintain that discipline and maintain that hope. And um, if there's some way we're able to really save the college football season because there's there's so many young, young kids that need sports to um, – continue their path in life and it's really i think us as as older people me as a as a, an ex-nfl player i think now more than ever it's viable and imperative that that we get into the communities and we're able to 
help um, create a message to, to, to help these younger people um, with their future. Bernie, I had the opportunity once to actually see you play. It was my first NFL game I ever attended, and it was a Monday night game against the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if this is ringing a bell or not, but uh, unfortunately, the Browns came up on the on the losing end on a you know a last ten second touchdown by the great Dan Marino. But what struck me about that game is you broke your ankle, correct, in the first or second quarter and played the rest of the game. Wow, Matt, good memory, and I didn't think you were old enough to uh, to remember remember that game. But yeah, John John offered all middle linebacker to the Miami Dolphins on the first series rolled up rolled up on my knee and ankle, and, and um, I heard a crack. Um, for the younger listeners out there, I probably shouldn't come dishonest with it, but speed was never a strong suit of mine. So whether I had one good ankle or two, I wasn't really going to outrun any players. So to be able to um, play through that injury and to be able to throw a couple touchdowns uh, passes in the second half was um, um, was something that I was proud of. The great Dan Marino did come back in the last few seconds, but right. um, one of the greatest compliments I think I've ever received as a football player was the day after that that game um, when we found out for sure that it was broken and that I needed to get a uh, plate and six screws uh, put in it. Um, the great uh, head coach Don Shula um, had called me and he was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. I had the honor of, of finishing my career uh, playing, playing with coach Shula, but coach Shula called and, and, and back then, even to this day, opposing coaches aren't allowed to call um other teams' players, um, uh, if they're not under contract under under that that organization, so for another coach to call a player on another team, that almost never happens. And for him to call me up um, while I was at the hospital, and and he's had some amazing quarterbacks in his day, and say that that's probably the toughest performance that he's seen from a quarterback. That was was truly one of the great great compliments that I've received in my life and in my career. It was absolutely a great comeback by Dan Marino, but that was followed by a great comeback by you. I mean, the Browns, I think were down 20 to three and and you brought them back to take a lead right before Marino brought them down the, down the field to score. Great memory, Matt. Yeah. Great memory. <laughs> what kind of pressure did you feel to have to continue to go out there and play, knowing your your ankle was hurting. I mean, you were obviously limping on the field. Wh- what kind of pressure did you, did you have? Pressure from your coaches or your teammates, or was it all internal? That's that's a that's a really good question and real astute. Um, you know, a lot of times people blame blame other people for their for issues. Um, um, I really went out there, and when I played. I was proud of being out there. I loved the honor of representing and leading our team really in the battle um, and, and not wanting to accept anything other than getting that win. So I, I even though I kind of felt it was broken, um, I felt like I was letting the team down. I didn't really, the coaches didn't put pressure on me, nor did the players. It, it, solely, came, it solely came from myself. And again, not not wanting to let the players down, not wanting to let the team down, not wanting to let the fans down. Heck, what if, what if I was wrong and it wasn't really broken? It was just a sprained ankle. I would not have been able to want to feel like I was soft and 
didn't go out there and fight with my teammates and brothers. And I think that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, I had um, been able to get such respect within, within our team. And that's somewhat similar, I think, to some of the messages that we're trying to bring into the community today especially in these uncertain, changing times. I know our members, they feel that same internal pressure. They know they've got to be out there and feed their families, so they'll work whether they're hurt, sick, whatever it may be. So I totally get what you're saying about the internal pressure being greater than the external pressure. Yeah, that's, a, that's again, a really astute point. The, um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and, uh, again, so many people I've, uh, found in law enforcement in particular have that exact same personality in their DNA that, you know, at their own personal expense, they would rather, um, you know, not want to let others down. They want to serve others. They, they want to make things better in their environment around them. And sometimes that comes at the expense of themselves. And you, you go down as almost like if it was a graph of trying that risk reward of how do you how do you take care of others without hurting yourself and then at times um, how you're able to cope with that um, at the, in in my past I did there were challenges with how do you cope and still be productive um, and and the ability to um, holistically do that has been something that I've been really proud of to. Uh, be a part of my life now. Can you tell us how you did cope with those injuries and how you're doing it now holistically? The, the, the medicine and knowledge has really evolved from, from the days of 30, 40 years ago when, uh, when um, some of these injuries uh, started for myself. So, you know, being a person who's had 30 some surgeries, 70 some broken bones to, um, to have been north of 300 pounds and to have, um, blood pressure at 160 over 120 a few years ago to have had been scripted for five high blood pressure pills, three cholesterol pills, two anti-inflammation pills, um, to start your day with basically 10, 10 types of pills like that. Um, and not, not even counting pain medication and sleeping pills like Xanaxes and that, and you're still not sleeping and in pain. Um, that life cycle and that, that way of doing medicine just wasn't working for myself. And I'm not picking on um, any doctors or protocols that go down those paths. It's just that that took a toll on me and the ability for myself to um, take it um, to a holistic level and some of the holistic clinics. Um, and basically, um, to me, food is your medicine. So, uh, Chantel, to your question of, you know, what am I doing now from the holistic space of it? There's, there's lots of components to it, but basically breaking it down into some simple components of food is your medicine. How do you eat? Um, everything that goes into your mouth matters. Um, it is a lifestyle with it. So smoothies, juicing, cold press, fruits and vegetables, um, common sense like that. I also started um, probably seven, eight years ago. I'm a big, big believer in uh, megadose vitamins, IVs, IVs of uh, hydration, basically. So um, I'm old enough to have grown up 
um, during the commercial days of one a day vitamins. Take your one vitamin in the morning and you'll be fine all day. Um, I wish that was the case. Um, but typically, um, for us, if you take an oral pilled vitamin, um, only eight to 12% of that vitamin absorb into the cell and cell membranes, you're really losing 88 to 92% of the vitamins and nutrients that your body and cells need. So by doing it as an IV, 100% of those vitamins are absorbed into the bloodstream. And the vitamins are um, basically the ones that we, we need in our systems, the vitamin Cs, the optimization of your D levels, B12s, um, glutathione, natural antioxidants, things like that um, is a second major component of it. A third is absolutely the reduction um, of, of your pills. Um, trying to take significantly less medication is one of them. And um, I'm a believer in the CBD. Then that's a non-psychoactive side of it that really fights the inflammation. So when you incorporate those four or five protocols into a comprehensive lifestyle, it's been something as a core component of what's really helped to change and bluntly save my life. Wow. Well, certainly the pain can lead to a strain on your mental abilities as well, right? It, it, it certainly took that toll over the years. Even before this COVID virus, we would have been saying uh, addiction, alcohol, opiate issues, medications of, of kids like the, um, the Zoloft's and the Adderall's. Um, those were significant issues in our society sure. before the COVID virus. Since the COVID virus, you're seeing scary statistics like drinking and alcohol sales are up 55% monthly over last year. So even mental illness and some of those addiction um, issues were predominantly serious before this. Unfortunately, I think one of the hidden um, issues that's coming out of this is and it hasn't been talked about enough, is the mental illness uh, side of it. And um, that, that part of it was a problem beforehand. And I think it's imperative that people like us talk about this message now and, and offer these types of programs, protocols, for hope that there's um, places and things to do um, in these uncertain times right now. Because this, I think this issue, unfortunately, is is getting worse. Well, we definitely try to get that message out to our members that there are people you can talk to, that our insurance does provide services. It's so important because so many people struggle with mental illness and with drug addiction. If you would have asked me some of these questions four or five years ago, I'm not sure I would have been able to be this open, this blunt, this honest uh, um, about some of the things that I've gone through, um, some of the things that I've watched people go through. And then um, because you see yourself going through it and you, some of your friends and family and you're able to help them help yourself. Now um, we're finding that um, being able to talk about it and share your experiences with others, um, it, it's, it's not only fulfilling, but in this time, in these changing, interesting 
anxiety field times. I really believe it's essential and almost a responsibility to to spread the word of of positive of positive tangible um, protocols that really will derive benefits and hope for people that, that in these times. Well, your career is certainly well established, but what are you into today? What what kind of projects do you have on your plate right now? Right now, working working with the clinics and working with myself is developing developing these protocols um, to get people healthy. Um, people um, and the football season starting, being out in the community, um, talking about that message of of how sports leadership is imperative to your future success, especially especially in in the young community, in in the school community, with young parents today, for all of us to be able to to um, assimilate in and work together um, to make us all stronger is something that I've been committed to working in Northeast Ohio to do. Do you feel that football has as big a draw now with the young people as it used to? Um, uh, I'm not sure about as much as they used to be. I believe that sports and entertainment, uh, uh, people said, look at it from the entertainment side of it. I really think that the sports is, is such a great vehicle to teach teamwork, camaraderie, discipline for the actual kids participating. Um, that's kind of the thing that through this quarantine, through this pandemic, through this virus, and, and I, I am all for health and safety as evidenced by what we're talking about within these holistic clinics of making sure we take care of ourselves. But there's also that balance for um, younger kids and people to, to um, have hope and be active and how you, how you integrate um, and socialize um, with people and get along, but also how you work together and get that discipline and structure. And I really believe sports and um, um, in particular helps teach kids so, um, and, and us adults not only how to also get along, but discipline, structure, commitment, finishing a task, um, being goal-oriented. And it, it, shows, it, it gives a pathway of hope to so many people. You mentioned we're going into the football season. Um, there's obviously been a lot of movement in the off season. Tom Brady's found a new home, uh, a lot of good draft choices coming in. Um, what's your feeling on the season? One, I'm happy to just see a season. Absolutely. I'd love to see a complete season. Uh, in Again, in this new normal with testing and, 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 and how people um, are getting back into um, some resemblance of normal, um, just a part of me, is happy just to have people out there playing to see the competition, um, to be having games. Um, in terms of in terms of wins and losses, uh, I think it's a win just in the fact that the NFL is going to be playing. I think our country um, needs to get to back to some resemblance of of normalcy and. And, and sports, hopefully, uh, was meant for an entertainment distraction from the seriousness of issues. And I know there's been so much anger um, in protesting or in the streets right now that hopefully um, a supposedly uh, perceived violent game of football could bring some 
relaxation and stability <laughs> back into our country. <laughs> well, things have certainly changed as far as practices and everything uh, leading up to the season. How do you think the players are reacting? Uh, apart from just COVID, how, how do you think the players' uh, mental standpoint is going into the season? I, I think the players' mental standpoint is somewhat similar to, I think, most most all of our sta- our mental standpoints. It, it's somewhat uncertain. We're all trying to present, I think, a perception of confidence, stability, and understanding what our schedule and plan is. I'm, I'm not sure any of us really know exactly what what two months from now entails. And I think in football, I love that about being a player that. It only was about what you're doing today to get better about winning the game next week. So you weren't really thinking too far in advance other than what do I have to do um, to be a good football player and win the game this given week? So in a way, actually, I think from a player perspective, yes, the schedule's different and, and the routine's different, but the ability to focus just on like the Cleveland Browns, just on beating the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, um, and then playing the uh, Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday night football. They don't have to look past a couple months from now. They just need to look at the task at hand. And I actually think that will be somewhat of a benefit for some of the younger players. So you don't think that what's going on will kind of level the playing field and bring some of the players up and some of the players down? You you think it'll be pretty much status quo, a normal football season from that perspective? Oh, no, absolutely. I don't think at all it'll be a normal football season. I just think from a player's perspective, they're excited to get out there and play. There's absolutely, with no offseason, um, with no preseason games, the players players that you expected um, to be great um, probably will be surprised and some won't. And then they'll absolutely be surprises of people we haven't heard from, um, stepping up and making plays. But ask the, the one thing that's really clear early in these first couple weeks, even without games, it's imperative. Unfortunately that we are going to see, and we're seeing already without preseason games, without off season OTAs and mini camps, players haven't, run into each other enough. They haven't had enough contact. They haven't had enough football type practice. And unfortunately, I, uh, you're going to see probably more injuries. And from a player perspective, some of their bodies aren't really ready to go full contact four quarters of play. And when your body's fatigued and not in those condition, um, injuries happen. And you're seeing that in practice early. And unfortunately, I think you're going to see that not just with our team, all teams having some some of these injury issues. Yeah, there's a fine line there between, you know, how much is not enough and how much is too much. You don't want to, you know, I know a lot of the players don't want to do four preseason games, but, you know, I think you need a little bit to get ready for the season. And in a typical season, without all the virus and stuff, you absolutely would like um, one or two preseason games just to get get under your uh, under your belt and get your timing your timing down with with your teammates if you had one piece of advice for our members about taking care of their bodies and their mental health what would that be that's a really good question I'm not sure if I have could narrow it down <laughs> you can have as many pieces of, one, of, of advice as you'd like well, well, <laughs> well one one piece of advice though was at least myself 
trying, trying to be honest with myself and, and the reality of, you know, where I was at. And um, a, as a man, as a quarterback, as a person who's, you know, um, you know, having success and, you know, people supposedly look up to, you know, sometimes it's hard to admit your frailties, your frailties and your um, things you're struggling with. And when you're able to maybe talk a little bit about that and be open with it and find that and find that there are other options out there and people out there that have been there and been through it um, and had massive success with it and came out the other side feeling better than they felt at any point this century. I mean, if, for it to be 2020 and two decades uh, into our third decade here and two decades have passed, this is the best I've felt and, and some people have felt um, this century. Um, it took that first step of kind of admitting it, talking about it, and then seeing that there are good positive options out there. Well, Bernie, it sounds like you're doing great. It's great to hear you're in good health and feeling great. And we really appreciate you being on the podcast with us today. Sounds great. God bless you. So I think that was great. And I think Bernie's message is very important for our members that are working out there in pain. They need to take care of themselves, both mentally and physically. Take care of those aches and pains. Take care of those, those mental things that are going on and seek the help they really need so they can get back to a productive lifestyle. We learned a lot, and I think it also pertained to our members and some of the things that they go through. And we have resources available. We have mental health resources through our Live Health Online platform, through our insurance fund. Uh, we have plenty of mental health resources there. If you have any questions about any of that, you can just call the benefits office, and we can certainly help direct you in the right place. I agree. And so members out there, just remember, take care of yourself. If you have any questions you know, about your mental health, physical health, don't hesitate to call the insurance office, you know, ask them questions, ask them how you can find answers to those questions. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at talk at downwiththedig.com. Thanks for joining us today. Well, now you're up to date. Views and comments expressed on this podcast may not be those of Ohio Labor's District Council or LIUNA. Thanks for listening and let's be careful out there.